We're so thankful that uh, we can be together uh, today, and uh, it's it kind of is at that time of year where it starts to feel a little bit like uh, the weather is just kind of sucking the life right out of me. Some people would call it the dog days of August. Is anybody feeling kind of like it's the dog days of August? Kids not ready to go back to school? Well, maybe you are. I don't know. Maybe you are. Um, I was uh, I was thinking about how it's the dog days of August, but at the same time. Um, I could not be more excited about what God is doing uh, among us. I was doing some reading in Scripture uh, this past week, and I came across this passage from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, and it says this. Paul's speaking, and he says, We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. And when I was reading that, it just struck me, it just hit me how well that short little passage encompasses how I feel about you as a church. And Paul is writing this to a church that he was leading as well. And God is doing some incredible things among us, both inside these walls and outside these walls, in the community, and as we do ministry together. But I can honestly say, I love doing ministry with you. I love serving with you. I love sharing the gospel of God, as it says together with you. But most of all, I think what I love is sharing life with you. That's what I love most of all. And that's what I love about us being together as this body of Christ, as we just heard about, as the church. And I also, I want you to know that's what summer has meant to me. This has not been a summer off from church. This has not been a summer off from God. I really, truly believe that this has been a summer for us as a church to do life together. And sometimes life gets messy and we have our ups and downs in life. And that's what the church is for. That's what the family is for. And so I just want to say to all of you this morning, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you for doing life together, for building those relationships and for knowing that church ultimately is about relationships. It's about the body of Christ working together as we heard about in our scripture today. And so... Tiffany and I just want you to know that we love you. We love doing church with you. We love doing life with you. And just through the ups and downs and normal everyday things of life, we love that. And we think that that's what church uh, is all about. And yes, as a church, we take time. Like last week, we, we celebrated a lot of the, the awesome ministry that's going on and, and, the, and the missions and all the ways that we're reaching out and, and everything that's going on. But also, I want to celebrate just how God is working amongst us in our day-to-day lives, in our work, in our play. Um, and, and I think it's interesting that even in the painful times of life, in the ups and downs, that God can bring us together as a church as well. All throughout Scripture, you see God's people referred to as either the body of Christ that's, that's connected and moving and working well together, or sometimes even the family of God. And, and I know sometimes when you think of family, the first thing that you're, come, might come to your mind is, ugh, family, right? Depending on what your family situation is like, or maybe frustration or stress or anxiety, or I never want to see those people again. I don't know what your family situation is like. But when God talks about family in the Bible, here's what I think he means. Even no matter when, when you're mad at each other, when you're frustrated with each other, when things aren't going well, even when things are going well, you stick together, just like the geese that Laura talked about. 
Those, those ties as your family run deep. And I think that God, that's what God meant for the family of God. It's where love is something that's demonstrated, not just something that's talked about. It's where you know people will love you and will be there for you no matter what. And so today, we're going to kind of talk about that a little bit. We're continuing on with our series called Hope Stories. And during these weeks, we're exploring real-life stories, things that are going on right here at City Branch. Of, 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 uh, last week, we talked about ways that God is working sometimes outside the walls and the ministry that happens to our community. But this week, we're going to take a clo- closer look at what happens when life hurts. What happens when life gets too much to handle on our own? What kind of community do you have in your life? And so the question for all of us this morning as we get, get started to kind of frame our discussion this morning is, who cares for you? Who cares for you? Who cares for you the most? And so we kind of took that question outside the walls to the people of Des Moines, and we sent a couple of our staff members out uh, this past week, and you may recognize some of these places that they went. And they went around, and they just asked regular, ordinary people walking around the streets of Des Moines that exact same question, who cares for you? Let's take a look. Hey Hope, we are here in downtown Des Moines asking people the question, who cares for you the most? Well, after 41 years, I know that it's my wife, Marianne. It's my husband, Bob, here. He's probably the one that I can count on and cares for me the most. Probably my mom of all people because, I don't know, she does everything for me. And when people like my sister or other people are mean, she's really nice to me. Uh, Probably my mother. My wife likes to think she does, but really it's my mom, and and the two of them, you know, oil and water, so. Probably my family. Yeah? Anybody after that? So family vengeance. Friends? Zoe. Zoe. That's cute. God cares for me the most. He created me, and uh, as a result, he knows me better than I know myself, and and he he cares for me more than, than anyone else. Dave, tell me. What is the greatest act of compassion you know? Just looking out for others and helping helping people and taking care of your family. I think the greatest act of compassion is being there and listening when people need it. Uh, like after a loss, you know, just comforting. The comfort is a great, you know, way of showing compassion. So, saw this bum on the street and some guys were messing with them, and this one guy like helped him out and told him to stop and stuff like that. It's about the most caring thing because most people don't care about bums people just in general circumstances just smiling at somebody that's having a bad day. I see a lot of people um, extending themselves to people in times of need and trouble, disaster, critical times in their life, and they sort of wrap themselves around them and do whatever they can to help people during those kinds of times. Becca, who would take care of you tomorrow if you couldn't do it? Well, right now I'd say, you know, my parents, they would always, you know, be there for me. That'd be my wife. Yeah, because uh, mom's in the place where we're, we're going to be taking care of her in a couple of years. So. The same person who does take care of me even now, um, in, in my in my attempts to take care of myself, God God is always my, my provider, and he always cares for me. All right. 
right. It's important that we wrestle with that question, who cares for you? And a lot of important questions that we need uh, to wrestle with. Well, today we have a special privilege. Uh, I'm going to invite my special guests up here uh, this morning. We have the special privilege um, of hearing uh, from a couple, a couple of our own. And uh, Jay and Jolie Ewart have been, yeah, you can clap for them. Did I hear some boos in there? I don't know. Here you go. They're better looking than I'm ever going to be, I'll tell you that. Um, we have the, the special privilege today of, of hearing from Jay and Jolie, and uh, they're going to share with you, as we're talking about this theme of, of caring, and, and as a community, I could stand up here all day long and talk to you how it's important, but instead, what we're going to do is basically share with you a real life, very real life story of how this community surrounded Jay and Jolie, and uh, maybe as they're sharing, uh, it, it's my hope that as you're listening, that something that they say, that something that God says through them might strike something in you. And you might say, you know what, my story isn't exactly like Jay's, but I, I need somebody to care for me too. And it might stir something in your heart. And so I, I just pray that you would open your heart to, to what they have to share this morning and what God uh, might be doing, and that you would be encouraged and strengthened uh, by their story uh, as well as we talk about this theme of who cares for you. Um, so let's get started. Um, I know that some of you maybe know Jay and Jolie uh, better than others, and assuming that... Hi. This is Jay. Uh, he's pretty shy. Uh, some of you may know them better, better than others, but... Um, Hi. Jay, why don't you start and uh, take us back, which has been several months now, right? and uh, to a day that I, I believe has so, sort of changed your life yeah, forever a little bit little so bit. take us take us back to that day and just uh kind of the timeline of what right, right. of what you remember well almost uh <clears throat> exactly four months ago i had a sudden cardiac arrest in my neighbor's yard um had a normal day like a lot of us have saturdays um loaded up my truck with tools picked up my partner was going to go do some extra work uh no big deal felt fine that i remember um, went and did the job, uh, went to the bank, cashed a check, went out to West Des Moines to see my lovely wife out there who was working with her fifth graders, uh, bought some kettle corn, came back, changed clothes, went for a run, went and talked to my neighbor, and in my neighbor's yard, I collapsed, and he did CPR on me for a full five minutes and saved my life. Um, I have no recollection of that day uh, when I awoke and then came home. I found my tools in my truck. I found things that I had purchased, and I had no idea uh, what went on. Um, so very dramatic and very life-changing. Um, I don't know if any of you have experienced something quite like that, uh, to have somebody actually intervene and save your life. We are now bonded, Tom and I, and uh, we are best friends, whereas we were neighbors before on a casual acquaintance, you know, he'd come over and we'd chit-chat, but now he is absolutely my best friend. Wow. As, as with any husband and wife duo, we need to get her side of the story. The real story. As well, the real story. So, uh, Jolie, maybe it was a little bit different for you. Uh, maybe take us back briefly through that day for you. A normal day. Uh, got on my bike and went to sell kettle corn with my fifth graders. Very busy, busy time. And 
Jay did stop over, at, and this is true, he, pick, he stopped over to pick up the kettle corn, and all the girls love Jay. Mr. Hewart's here. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, he's so handsome, he's so cute, I just love this guy, you know. And, and I, I kept thinking, well, what are we going to do tonight? We're going to go do this or that. And so we talked about when we, we'd see each other next, and um, then he's off doing his, his thing. And within about an hour and a half, my son Joseph called me and said, a very calm uh, way, uh, a way that you as a parent would want your 18-year-old to handle things, and said, Mom, Dad is, has collapsed in Tom's yard. Tom's doing CPR, and the ambulance is here, and we don't know where we're going to take Dad, um, but I want to come and get you. What? And he said it again just what you would want your 18-year-old to say in a very confident, calm way. Mom, this is what's going on. And I said, okay, come and get me. And so at that moment, I just grabbed my little fifth graders, and we held hands, and they said, what's wrong? I said, we have to pray. So we prayed. Um, Joseph came, and there were people all around that um, knew that I was obviously a Christian because I was praying, and um, I like that. That's really important to me. That, I, that people know that I love God because I figure there are people out there that are going to be praying for me. And so every step of the way, I felt just lifted and guided by people. And for me, and I know we're all very different in our faith, my faith is, very, is, is strong. I know God is real. However, I've been blessed with God using people in my life. And um, I've been very vulnerable all through my life, which most people might say I'm silly and go on and on and on, which I'll try not to. I'm going to look at John and make sure I cut things off quickly. But I have been very vulnerable with my life over the years and um, been in church bodies where I've shared just everything. And so people that know me, when they hear the story, of course, I, I immediately call Jay's mom and dad. They're strong. Their strength is in, in God. I knew I could call them and they'd say, okay, we're praying. They wouldn't, oh, no. I didn't need that. I just needed that confidence and strength in God called my sister who's here. I know her strength is in the Lord. And just everybody I knew that had that confidence because I didn't think I could do it. I, you know, and we never know how strong we really are, but I just, in myself, I knew I needed my people around me. I, need my, I needed my people that have that strong faith supporting me and lifting me up. And so from that point on, um, I'm, you know, I, I went to the hospital, you know, my, my sons were there, uh, very strong and very confident. We prayed. Uh, immediately I said to Isaac, you've got to get Mark. Um, he's a, a, a lover of God, a pillar of strength in the Lord, has had situations in li his life that have um, hit him hard, and I knew he was the strength that I needed. And um, amongst many of you, um, through that seven-day period, um, were there and were supporting me, so... Yeah, that's, it sounds like, you know, we talk about prayer a lot, and we say our prayers at mealtimes, and we say our prayers before we go to bed. It seems like in times of crisis, prayer becomes very, very real. <laughs> and when those prayers come, we kind of cut out all the fluff, mm -hmm. and we get very, very real with God. And sometimes we think it's in those moments where God is so far away, but it seems like for both of you, in those moments, that's when God got very, very real and became very, very close. And from there, yeah. it was calling other people and anybody yeah. that could come and support. And it, again, yeah. it was just the, for me, I needed, I needed God's reflection in people. Yeah. Okay, Jay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to you. Um, okay. Picking up the story in your hospital bed, mm. um, what, take us back into that 
moment. You've been out for a while. You have no idea what happened. Right. Share with us a little bit about that moment of first waking up, what was going through your mind, right. and then in the hours and the days after that as people started to flood right. into right. your room. Well, I, had, I have amnesia, so I have no recollection of Saturday, Sunday, and until Monday night. So when I wake up Monday, it's a blur, and I have no idea where I am. And my wife is leaning over me, and, and you know, I don't have my glasses on, and I'm blind as a bat. So everything's blurry to begin with. So I'm thinking I'm dreaming, and I'm like, where am I? She's like, well, Jay, you had a heart attack. And I'm like, what? She says, Jay, you had a heart attack. She says it a couple times because I'm really dense. And <laughs> it's like, no, and I start to cry. And, you know, it's like, what? This is not happening to me. So then I have people around me, and cognitive ability is semi there. So I recognize some people from church, and my wife asked me, do you recognize me? And there's a guy here in church who was there, and he leans over to me, and everyone's wondering if I'm going to recognize him. Because if you have a heart attack and there's a lack of oxygen to your brain, cognitive ability can diminish. And so everyone was concerned about that. So Mark Cobbler leans over to me, and, and he's a big guy. If you don't know him, he's a big guy. He's, and, and when he's really close to you, he's really big. And so, like, huge. And, uh, and I don't have my glasses on, so he's blurry and big. Um, so he's leaning over to me, and, and I look up, and I go, dude. And he goes, dude. It's just how we talk. And so I recognize him, and it was in that recognition that kind of began the process of realizing I am completely covered by people. And then the stream of folks that came, and I was in the hospital, I left Thursday, of, from community, from work, from just, you know, this community who love and pray for me, for the larger community, friends and family, um, text messages. So... <clears throat> I felt really embraced, and nurses, I mean, just feeling, you know, we all live our lives inside and outside of ourselves. We go to work, we drive our cars, we interact with our neighbors. You never really realize how broad uh, a contact we have with everybody until you have something like this. And the outpouring was overwhelming, was, was really overwhelming. I was almost embarrassed by it because... This overly dramatic event brings all these folks into the hospital and calling me and texting me and talking to Jolie and bringing gifts and food and caring for my family and cleaning my house. I'm like, oh, my gosh, can I just hide somewhere? Maybe I'll just hide in the hospital, <laughs> which is where I was. Um, so anyways, that yeah. may answer the question. Yeah. Jay, I know that um, you really take pride in, in being the best dad that you can be. Pretty good. Um, you weren't ready to go. You have two boys that just graduated high school. Right. And I know that one of the more, and there's a lot of folks out here that have kids, and they're thinking about this now and saying, okay, I'm putting myself in Jay's shoes. I can't imagine losing my family. I can't imagine not being there with right. them. Right. And I know that one of the more emotional, maybe difficult times for you was seeing your boys and right. having them see dad right. weak right. and vulnerable. Right. 
tell us about that moment and what you take care of me. <laughs> and I looked around, I thought, yeah, I could share my heart with these people. And that's always been really important to yeah. me. And again, it's kind of silly to say, but it's, it's something that I've always felt. And I feel when I walk into church bodies. So taking me back to that day when I entered back into the church after my house being cleaned, you know, who you are, and all the, you know, plants. And, and that, the doors were open, and so the boys were home, and I was at the hospital. So food was dropped off. I don't have any idea, so I thank all of you. I probably haven't thanked... Most of you, really, haven't written letters like you should. But um, there was food always. There was fruit, um, dinners in the refrigerator for the boys and for us as we returned. But walking, so walking back into the church, there was this overwhelming feeling uh, as a person. You know, my mother always thought I should write thank you notes. So I have to be honest that I felt bad I hadn't wrote, written everybody notes. But aside from that, the bigger picture was coming, returning to a community that I know truly cared and loved us um, and had that depth or has that depth because there are many churches out there, it's not just this church, that have that depth of knowing God and truly trusting God. Even that, it's crazy, you know, eternal life, what's that? But, you know, I've invested my life, I'm going for it. And so I could come in, and I, I, I looked around, and I knew that there were people that would really continue to lift us up in prayer, that I yeah. could continue to be very vulnerable with and um, sound silly and go on and on and on with, and they would be okay with that, and ultimately they would know my heart and that they would be able to lift me up in yeah. time of need. Because awesome. as I get older, as we get older, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, Jay, going back to you. Uh, mm. Specifically for the, for, the, for the men out there, for the guys, but I think it certainly applies to, to definitely all adults as well. We get to a certain place in our lives where for some reason we think we're invincible. Right. And especially for guys, this is really, really hard. We get to that point and we think, I'm strong, I'm independent, and you know what? Maybe I don't need anybody else. Right. Because I have a good job, I've got a family, I know what I'm doing, we've got a house, Everything is in order. Everything's under control. Um, if there's anything that you could say, well, specifically to the men mm. out there, but even adults, that we kind of start to feel this independence. Right. What is it that God has shown you about being a man, a middle-aged man through this right, experience? Right, right. Well, I am now 51, and uh, it was April, so I was 50. And being 50, you've had a lot of experiences. You've kind of... You know, done some hard work, had some scars, survived, got married, had kids, you know, um, got a good job and all that jazz. Um, And I felt, you know, I'm I'm a pretty self-motivated guy, self-propelled, feeling independent, like, yeah, I mean, I need people, but really I don't need people. Um, But ultimately you do. And as men, feeling like me, speaking to feeling independent, being 50 or whatever age you are, strong and healthy, um, you really do need that support. Uh, The old model of men and the independence is passe. It's gone. We need to, as men, uh, support each other because we supporting other men supports our women in our lives, our families, the broader culture, our community, so I encourage everybody, and I was in a men's group, and those guys really supported me through it. Uh, they came to visit me. I uh, loved to see their faces. Uh, there were times of vulnerability in the group, uh, support. Can't do without it. Got to have it. Um, 
and in every aspect uh, of life, you're going to have to have people to support you. And the more you share with people, the more um, you get supported. If nobody knows that you have issues, then then obviously nobody knows you have issues, so no one can support you with those. And you wander around kind of hurt and pained and, you know, I won't say living a lie, but just hiding it from folks who really can help you. Yeah, that's a great answer. Jolie, I'll, I'll kind of, kind of along those lines, um, I know that both of you have been involved in various small groups here at the church. And uh, for instance, uh, somebody comes up to you and they, they came here to worship and they say, you know, Jolie, I've been thinking about this. I just, I've really been hurt by community in the past, and I, I just don't see why I need to be in a small group. I, I, I don't really see the importance of that. I'm pretty strong. I'm independent. Um, I, I think I've got my life figured out. I have some friends that I do things with on the weekends. I don't really need Christian community. What would you say to that person? Um, well, there is that depth that you can find with other believers and that, that put their faith in the Lord. And um, that depth you can reach in a small group. And I would say if someone has had a, an experience in a small group and that hasn't been satisfying, we are all people. And people make mistakes. And a lot of people, you know, it's hard to get along with everyone. So, you know, I would suggest trying. I mean, try to find a group of women. I've been told over the years that I need to be with women, that I need to have women around me. And that I, and even, you know, I'm a busy person. I, I'm an educator, and there's never enough time. I want to go home and do laundry. I love to do that and love to wash the dishes and plan for my days. And there's just never enough time. However, the benefits of spending that time, taking that extra hour to meet at a coffee shop or meet at someone's home, and, you know, it's hard to explain it to someone that doesn't have that, that understanding of, of Christ living within you and in you, but that depth that you can get spending and sharing your life with another Christian woman yeah. or a Christian wo- a man is something that is very different. Um, and um, I would say continue to pursue it and that it's vital. Absolutely. Jay, I think you had mentioned something uh, one time about uh, you couldn't imagine being in a church and not being in a small group, and obviously that right. helped out a lot <laughs> right. uh, during this situation. Um, there's kind of two sides to community. There's what we offer and then what we get. You want to talk a little bit about what you've experienced with the need to have both of those aspects to community? Um, <clears throat> well, the in, inside and outside. The inside the community is we're caring for each other inside the, this church. Mm-hmm. Um, we know each other. We know each other's weaknesses, we know each other's strengths, and we can hold them up. Outside the community, it's what you present to your coworkers and how you live your life. Um, I love that video um, and what people had to say, because uh, you're out there and basically you're doing the same thing. As a Christian, um, hopefully you're working out your faith in a larger context, at work, Compassionate for the homeless, compassionate for your coworker, compassion for your neighbor, and in my instance, uh, the compassion of my neighbor saved my life. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, uh, so I don't know. Am I answering yeah, the question? Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It, it seems like a lot of times we come to community expecting just to get, get, right, get. Right. And I think what I've heard from both of you through talking through this experience. 
you were able to receive so much right. because you had opened up your hearts and not in a, in a risky way of vulnerability, but to say, you know what, I need people around me that I can trust and it's going to be really, really hard for me to experience community as it was meant to be if I'm not right. willing to be vulnerable. Right. Is community possible right. without vulnerability? Right, you know? no, you're right, absolutely. That we, have to, we have to practice it. And, and as men, we have to really practice it and work hard at it. Um, but if you don't make yourself vulnerable, then you never will be vulnerable. I mean, yeah, um, yeah so you have to work at it. Yeah, absolutely. One final question for both of you. Jolie, I'll start with you. Uh, it's been several months now since this, and we've had, it's still pretty fresh, but at the same time, I'm sure you've had uh, time to think back and reflect about what God has shown you through this. Uh, if there was one main thing that you feel like God has taught you uh, through this whole experience, what would that be? Well, it's something that God's been trying to teach me for a very, very long time, and that is just to enjoy life and to embrace each moment. And, um, God, that sounds so squirrely, but, it's, you know, it's just to, I've, I've been um, immersed in stress and anxiety for many years. I mean, you turn 40, why wouldn't you have cancer? Because that's what all the tabloids tell you will occur. Mm-hmm. And I love my family. I love watching my kids grow up. And I don't want to leave. I think watching Terms of Endearment too many times. I'm the struggling, <laughs> suffering wife. And so for my husband, who I lean on and depend on and need to almost leave me, was something that just came out of nowhere. I would never have been able to even have the time to be anxious over that. Hadn't thought of that one. So I think what God's been teaching me is just to let go and to really trust and um, walk in confidence and um, enjoy. Because yeah. a lot of my time and my, I've wasted a lot of time in stress and anxiety. I think a few of you can relate to that. <laughs> Maybe not, but that is certainly what God has, has given me. Yeah, yeah. Jay, how about you? What, looking back, what has God shown yeah. you through this? <clears throat> well, you know, you have something like this happen to you and uh, you're blindsided by it. And so you think, okay, is this the signpost on the hill that I've been waiting for my entire life? Is God really going to finally say, Jay, wake up and go left. You've been going right your whole life. Now wake up and go the opposite direction. Well, and I struggled for weeks and maybe month or so afterwards, really praying and reading scripture and thinking, Lord, what, what, what happened here? What are you trying to tell me? Am I so dense that I have to have a heart attack for you to get to me? working it, thinking it, praying it. And ultimately, what I came up with is that I don't need to make any major changes. I don't need to go to Africa, even though being a missionary in Africa is a great thing, or going to inner city L.A., which is very important, or Detroit, or wherever. But my conclusion at this point, in a prayerful conclusion, is that I'm doing okay right here in Des Moines. It, really, I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Here in Des Moines. No, mm-hmm. kidding. I mean, you don't want me to do something dramatic. Like, I don't have to go to the Himalayas or something. Mm-hmm. I, I would. Mm-hmm. But here in Des Moines, just loving and caring for my family and going to work and basically doing the things that I've been doing and getting an opportunity to kind of be better friends with my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. it seems like God has reaffirmed the fact that one of the most important thing in your life is to be a man of God. 
right. and to be a husband and to be a father. Right. That God ultimately cares about who we're becoming, not right. necessarily all these great grand things that right. we accomplish. Right, right, right. We've all maybe... The, the, an old coach that I had was keep it simple, stupid, K-I-S-S. So that's kind of my, yeah, keep it yeah. simple. Well, Jay and Jolie, I, I just want to say on behalf of the whole church that we are so thankful for you. We are so glad that you are here today to share this with us. And I know that, that both of you have been an incredible testimony to me about how you handled this and how you turned to God uh, in prayer and in faith through this whole process. And I want to say thank you for letting us love you, and care for you. I think that is incredible. So, yeah. Well, as we we think about what we just heard, um, and I'm thinking about Jay and Jolie's story and the countless other stories, I know that so many of you could stand up here and share very similar experiences to that. There's two things that I'm reminded of, and the first one is from Psalm 34:18, And it says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life, the things that you've shared with other people, or the things that you continue to push down and push down and push down because they're just too, it's, it's too much that I'm, I'm scared to be vulnerable with that. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. God is not absent in our pain, in our struggles, in our difficulties. God is very, very close. And the second thing is this, that I believe that it's in the times where we feel like we're in the desert. It's in the times when we feel brokenhearted and crushed and lost and confused and afraid, and we're waiting on God, and we're waiting on God, and things don't change, and we're wondering, God, where are you? I truly believe that as we listen to Jay and Jolie's story, and we look all throughout scripture, it's in those moments that God has so much work to do inside of us. God will not waste our pain, and it's in those moments, I believe, that God uses to transform form us. The desert experiences of our lives are fertile soil for God's transformation. And I pray that you would come to find that that is true in your own life. And maybe you're sitting there today and you're wondering, I don't feel close to God. I don't know if he's real or not. I pray that today that you would know his love and his grace and his peace in a brand new way, and to know that God is walking with you. He is very aware of what you're going through. Don't give up. Don't give up. And after hearing their story about the value of community, not, not buddies, not friends, not your golfing buddies, or those people that you just hang out with when it's convenient, who are those people that you can call in the middle of the night Who is your community? Who cares for you? And maybe today is the day that you let down those walls and let yourself be loved. Maybe today is the day that you extend a hand or a listening ear to somebody that's sitting right next to you today that needs that so much. 
Maybe it's time to be honest with yourself and to join a support group or to get help for an addiction that you have and and to be honest with yourself and to be real about that and ask for help. Maybe today's the day that you start making prayer a regular habit, even here on Sundays, that it would be normal for us as a church, that none of us leave here on a Sunday without feeling poured into and prayed for, that getting prayer is not for people that have issues, because you know what? We got issues, every single one of us. None of us are perfect. And I wonder, what would it be like? What would it be like if none of us left here on a Sunday morning without being prayed for? Not because we're messed up and weird, but because every single one of us is in the exact same place. We need other people, and we need God. Maybe in a few weeks when small groups kick off, instead of kind of shooing God away from that little whisper that you hear, why not this time? Maybe it's time. I would love to have some people to just grow in my faith with and be real. We talk so much about reaching out and serving the city around us, but we will not lose sight of each other in the process. And I pray that it is simply by the way that we love each other, that that would be the greatest form of evangelism and outreach this church ever does, is that when people see us, they would watch how you love each other, and that would draw them into relationship in a part of this place. I pray for each of us that we have a community in our lives that you are loved and you are cared for just as you are, but that you are challenged, that you are challenged to be even more than you are right now, to become the man or woman of God that you have been called to be and that we would not stop short of that. Thank you for not just coming to church. Thank you, City Branch, for being the church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, Dear children, let us love one another, not simply with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Thank you for being that kind of church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.